This is the V1 Change 1 podcast, where our mission is to help listeners to find values, practice integrity, and inspire change. Our vision is to mentor men and empower them to achieve more by taking responsibility for shaping their own lives. He's Cass, an evolving man who has been shaped by adversity and continues to grow through his imperfections. And he's Roscoe, an imperfect work in progress that tries to suck less every day. Between us, we have over 40 years of Air Force fighter pilot experience with countless hours as trainers, instructors, and mentors. Join us and learn to take responsibility for your own life as we dive into subjects from leadership to resilience to vulnerability. Be the one who changes their course. Be decisive, driven, and purposeful. Set the example for others. Lead. We wish we'd had this show when we were younger men. Be the one. Well, hey, ones, welcome to the next episode of the B1 Change One podcast. We're going to switch it up a little bit here because for those of you that may not know, Roscoe is an author. And he's written uh, two books now. The first one was called No Lessons Learned. No New Lessons. Sorry. No New, no no new, new Lessons. lessons. Yep. Uh, I don't know why I went to No Lessons Learned. Uh, no New Lessons. Because <laughs> that's kind of the story be, of our yeah, life. I guess it is. <laughs> um, no, no New Lessons. And then his new book, uh, Work Hard, Don't Suck, is hitting uh, Amazon now. So we're going to kind of talk about his book, maybe give you guys an opportunity to think about Grabbing yourselves one if, if the uh, topics seem interesting. A lot of the stuff that's entailed in the book uh, is a lot of the stuff that we talk about on the podcast, just ways to be better, uh, ways to work hard and not suck. So Yeah. Well, um, I mean, it's kind of the secret to life, right? If you just put your head down, do the work, and try to suck less than you did yesterday, I think you're going to be doing pretty good. Yeah, you're definitely on the right path. So yeah. I thought I'd start it off, though, by just sharing a little excerpt from the book that I think kind of summarizes a few things neatly, and then we'll uh, we'll have some questions for Roscoe. So, Sweet. There's a portion of the book that says, In my life, I have had multiple opportunities to lead, fail, and learn. You will no doubt be afforded chances along the way to do the same. I hope after reading this book, you can take away a few key points to help your moral compass point to a true north that guides you through life positively. Please understand, and I think this is an important point, and we've talked about this on the podcast, that I have failed as many or more times than I have succeeded. I was always willing to fearlessly try new things, and often the result was not great. Having the fortitude and capacity to pick myself up and keep moving forward was a gift I do not take lightly. I know in your individual lives you will be challenged as we all are. You will either take the beating life gives you and blame others for your misfortune, or you will get up one more time and keep gaining ground towards your goals. Success is a journey of winning small victories. A football championship cannot be won in the first game. A war will not be won in the first battle. Your success will not come overnight. You need to understand the power of never giving up, and always looking for the next domino to knock down. Life can be a buzzsaw at times, and never underestimate the world's uncanny ability to serve you curveball after curveball. Knowing, understanding, and applying principles laid out in this book will help you navigate the chaos and turn life into a choreographed symphony of beautiful awesomeness. I like that. Who the fuck wrote that? I don't know, but it sure is telling <laughs> you. <laughs> Thank God for editors, right? Yeah, and then, you know, I think if I could summarize the book with your own words, uh, and this is one of the things that we try to talk about and kind of hammer on the podcast is, dude, you're responsible for your actions. Yeah, 100%. Like, take responsibility for your own life. Yeah. Take responsibility for your own actions. Make smart decisions. Make, make smart audibles if you mm-hmm. need to adjust course and move from there. And you even say, my one-line summary of this book 
is everything is your fault. Take responsibility <laughs> for your actions. Yeah. And there's truth to that, right? So obviously there's circumstances in life where there can be a, a whole bunch of different things that lead to maybe something going wrong, but we always have our role to play in all of that. So with that said, work hard, don't suck. Why don't you give me a rough overview after yeah. I just said all that stuff, yeah. if you would, of uh, what the book's about, man. Why'd you write this book? What was the uh, inspiration for writing it? Yeah. Can I get away with just saying everything you just said? Nope. Okay. Uh, shit. My kids, um, you know, I've, I've talked about on the show already at some point about how there was a turning point where the boys grew up and didn't rely on old dad as much anymore. And I kind of saw this coming where, where the book came from, the specific Genesis origin point of the book was Katie and I were sitting in the living room one night. Caleb walks in from football practice, no shirt, got his backpack slung over, hat backwards, beats headphones on. He walks right in through the living room, goes to his room and shuts the door. And I leaned over to Katie in that moment. I leaned over to Katie and I said, I think we're done raising our kids. I don't think you'll ever be done being a parent. My, I'm 47 years old. My mom still parents me. I don't think that that job is ever complete or finished. But as far as raising them, we taught them right from wrong. They hopefully have the, the capacity to choose right. They can identify what they need to do, where they need to go, how to feed and clothe themselves, et cetera. So that's when I kind of I took a big step back in a 30,000-foot view of my role as the dad at this point. And I realized that I needed to continue my path of leading by example because there's a quote in the book somewhere that says, at some point, your kids aren't going to listen to your advice. They're going to watch your example, right? And you can see this as you're raising kids. You can see that at some point, they don't respond to the shaky finger lecture much anymore. They shut down, they go to their room, they play their video games. But if they see you constantly doing the things that you're talking about, that resonates with them. Yeah. And eventually, yeah. That's how it, you inspire change. Exactly. And, and you don't have to, you don't have to walk in every day and go, Hey, Caleb, I went to the gym today. Hey, Nikki, I did this. You know, you don't have to do that. They see it. They know. Right. So stepping back and taking that big, that big top down view and the leading by example and everything, I didn't want to just leave it cold cut like that. So I said, all right, I'm going to give them one last volley of dad advice and I'm going to try to make it fun. I'm going to try to make it short so that in written word, in some kind of, in some kind of context that will be here, quote unquote, forever, that they will, they will hopefully understand some of the why behind what we did as parents and, and specifically what I did and, and how I conducted myself as a dad. And that's where the genesis of the book really came from. And then it was just a matter of formatting and, and how I wanted to put together the project and blah, blah, blah. That's sweet, man. Yeah, I've, I would just say after reading the book that for me, I don't know, not to sound mushy, but like this comes across to me as like a love story that a dad writes to his kids, right? Like all the, all the things that you try to teach, all the things, all the valuable things that you've learned in your own life, the takeaways, the lessons, the hardships, the obstacles, how to overcome all those things, how to push forward, how to move forward, and how to do it with a certain amount of humility and grace um, while maintaining good relationships along the way. Like all of that stuff is in here. Yeah. And the fact that you had your kids in mind when you 
when you put this together, like they were the impetus of this so that you could have those things to pass on. They could always have these things to lean back mm-hmm. on, dude. I think that's badass. It was fun, man. And, and you know, it's nothing that you haven't done as a dad. I mean, you've done exactly the same things. You've sat your kids down and you've told them stories from way back when you screwed something up or when you learned a lesson or whatever. I just decided to write it down and stick it on Amazon and hopefully somebody will get something out of it and pass down to their kids. Yeah, so I know you have a, uh, at the very beginning of the book, you have a chapter that's like, who should read this book? Yeah. But since most people haven't seen this book yet, why don't you go ahead and tell me like, who's the target audience? If if you were targeting Mm -hmm. a specific group of people or an age range, what would that be? Yeah, well, that's actually a fun story. Just that discussion. Excuse me. When I initially started putting this together, I got in, um, I, I started kind of feeling around, and I knew a guy who had written a book. I had read his book. I picked it up in the break room one day, and so I reached out to this guy. Uh, he's a fighter pilot, bro. And he put me in touch with a dude who put me in touch with another dude. And, and anyways, so he and I are sitting down, and we're having these conversations about – uh, my project and kind of how I wanted it, how I thought I wanted it to turn out in the end. And I'm talking to him and I'm saying, look, man, I just want to write a book of dad advice to my kids. That's it. Just, I don't care if it's a fucking workbook, you know, it could be a spiral bound printout from office max. I don't care. I just want to give this to my boys so that they can stick it in the magazine rack in the shitter. And maybe one day they pick it up and they read and they go, Hey, I wonder what old dad said about, you know, well, he helped me realize that it's not just my kids that can benefit from this because I was very, very narrow-sighted on this. And he's a girl dad. And he, he starts talking to me from that perspective, which was kind of neat. And he said, you know, if you're going to put this together like I think you're going to put this together, I want my daughters to read this because I want them to know what to look for in a man. And I, that just blew the top off my mind, man. I was like, Holy, I never, never even considered that because I'm a boy dad. That's all I know is boys. And he helped me realize that it's not just the, the males of the world that can benefit from this, but the females as well. And I'll go a step further. Not only a young lady who's maybe looking for a partner out there and looking for certain character traits and and identifying features and values in that partner so that when she brings him home to daddy for approval, she knows what daddy's going to be looking for, right? I'm giving her the answers to the test. Yeah. And I would say that I agree with you in that sense, but I also think that there's plenty of takeaways. Well, I know why you wrote this specifically for your boys. Um, There's obvious, there's a lot of good stuff in here that anybody can learn from. Yeah. I mean, if I just go over the table of contents, there's communication is key. There's never quit. Control what you can control. Money, communication, intimacy, yeah. um, goal setting, planning, actively managing your money, defining your own success and happiness. Like there's all these different pieces in here. Yeah. You know, the keep your wiener in your pants probably is more specific for boys than it is girls. Oh, I disagree. To a certain extent. I disagree. Yeah. Right. But I, I mean, I think I know why you, while this was focused at boys, I can totally see his point of view because... Yeah. This all the stuff in here is applicable, and, mm-hmm. and to largely the stuff that we talk about the, on the podcast too. You know, whether it's uh, defining your own value system and figuring how how to do those things, you know, and walking in your own integrity and all like that's that's applicable to anybody. Yeah, it's gender gender neutral. It is, and you know, from 
d- disregard the male female thing just for a second, but if you're a single parent, specifically if you're a single mom raising a boy. Now, the the whole book is written from one man's perspective to four young men. All right. So there's a lot of male references in here and and that's not to discount the female um being able to take away some good lessons out of it. But if you're a single mom and you're raising a young man, maybe you should read the book and and see from a male's perspective, oh, well, you know, maybe I'm trying to teach him this lesson. I'm trying to teach my young son this lesson, but I'm coming at it from a mom's point of view. Maybe I can take it from a man's point of view or a dad's point of view, and maybe that translates just a little bit better. If I can put, you know, instead of talking to him in, you know, in in a certain context, maybe I can figure out a football reference um, or some kind of badass something that that maybe it'll trigger him. And and one thing that you'll find in the book, I think, is – we were talking about kind of themes and central central themes of the book. Um, one of the themes of the book is uh, there's a lot of redundancy in the book. Yeah. There's there's work hard. There's keep chopping wood. There's grinding. There's perseverance and, and persistence. And all of those things kind of mean the same thing. I just tell different stories so that hopefully one of them resonates. Yeah. And that was, you know, when you're dealing with a group of people, just from being an instructor – forever you, you have to find out what makes that individual tick yeah you know and that's part sometimes that's part of the fun it is i used to ask guys specifically like how do you what's your how do you learn best right yeah. are you a visual learner or are you an auditory person like cause some people you can drone on all day they don't catch anything but then you draw it on the board for them and all of a sudden it yep. clicks right so yep. yeah. or you, you tell you tell a story and it clicks for that kid you have to tell another story to click it with that kid and and that's kind of what that was the approach i was taking on here but so who's who's the target audience then? Just in general, is it is it I'd, poised more for younger men? Is it, or do you think it's applicable kind of across the spectrum? Gosh, I hate to say anybody, but uh, because the riches are in the niches, right? Yeah, you're supposed to niche it down and 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 direct to a certain audience. I will say that I wrote the book from a point of view of a dad speaking to a young man. Yeah, and and I'll kind of leave it at that. Now, that's not to say that. Uh, well, you read the book, yeah. And so you tell me, did it? Re- uh, did anything resonate with you? Absolutely. You're 50 think, years old. So. I think um, a lot of the, the stuff that you share in there is applicable across really any demographic. Um, I can see how the tone is specific to maybe a younger mm-hmm. group of individuals. But, you know, if you're a slow starter, maybe you, you didn't have a mentor growing up or maybe you didn't have a dad around growing up or yeah. maybe you're a hard learner and you've just you've had a lot of adversity in your life. And I was that guy. Some of that <laughs> stuff hasn't clicked with you. Yeah. You know, I, I could see a 30 year old picking this up and getting mm-hmm. some good lessons from it, you know, and, and, and maybe being able to, to push the fog out of the way around a yeah. few things that are going on in his life a little bit and gain some some traction and some direction and some focus yeah. in certain ways. I could see fathers picking this up. Mm-hmm. And I think the the story that you just told about, yeah, maybe you're a single mom. And maybe you come from a place where, you know, especially if you've gone through a divorce or whatever, you're very empathetic. And there's a lot of empathy in, in the tools and stuff that you use. But you and I both know raising boys that, some of our boys respond to empathy and some, some yeah. of them don't as much. Right. And so this may be a way yeah. for you to go, you know, Hey, here's some things or, uh, some tools that you can use that are yeah. a little more forward, maybe a little more direct, uh, and a little more focused to help, you know, a child along their path. So all of my kids have responded to different 
inputs and stimuli. Yeah, same. Um, it's crazy some of how them you have they're to, so different. Yeah. Some of them you have to, you have to hug them and give them the disappointed dad speech. And some of them you can grab them by the face mask and shake them around a little bit. Um, I wanted to read something off the back cover here though. Cause it, it two things, it really kind of gets to your point of what you're asking here. Um, the back cover starts out and says, I don't know about you, but my kids didn't come with a checklist saying, teach them the following things before they turn 18. So after 26 years of parenting and many lessons learned the hard way, I wrote the checklist. And then skip down to the last paragraph, and it says, if you're a parent, young adult, grandparent, coach, or mentor, let this book be both a checklist and a coaching platform regardless of gender. And in the, the, the very beginning of the book, there's a chapter. The, the first chapter you read is, who should read this book? And one of the people that we were getting very close to saying it there, but I'm going to come right out with it, is what if you're um, what if you're a 25-year-old dude who maybe just got married, you know, you got out of college, you just got married, and you're about to have your first kid, and you find out it's a boy? I don't know about you, man, but when, when, I, when I found out I was going to be a dad, um, there was a little bit, well, obviously there's elation and joy, but then after a little bit, there's a little bit of panic because you're like, oh, shit, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I'm still a kid myself, man. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I've, been, I've been doing this for a long damn time. I was a dad when I was very, very young. So what could I possibly teach this kid being so young, you know, 19, 20 years old or, or whatever? Um, so maybe you could use this as, you know, guidepost. Yeah, absolutely. I think you totally could. Um. Okay, well let's let's dive into let's dive into a chapter just to sure. give people an example of maybe some of the context of the book. I will say yeah. that one of the things that I really appreciated, especially for kind of the who you wrote it for, one of the things that I really like about how you set the book up, um, is that all the chapters are like two they're to su- four pages. They're super right? short. They're super yeah. short. So, yeah. you know, like your reference earlier, you could totally put this thing on the back of the toilet and every time you go in to take a shit you could sit there and blow through a chapter and, pr- and probably pull yeah. some good nuggets out of it right seriously but but my point in saying that is i think especially for the the kind of the target audience that you have it's what i loved about the book is how succinct it is and i think that all the points are very distilled and palatable so mm-hmm. it's it's super easy to read there it's fun because of the stories that you tell you're such a good storyteller i wish i had that gift <laughs> Thanks, I, do I appreciate not. that <laughs> um, i'm not a good storyteller um and uh, and there's just there's good takeaways, right? There's a couple of nuggets in each chapter yeah. that, that you can just kind of walk away with right away, and, yeah. and you don't have to go through thirty page, pages of research and bullshit, which is probably how I would have written it um, <laughs> well, to I actually was, get to the nugget at the end of it. Again, so. catering to a younger audience, I was trying to I was trying to anticipate a shorter ant- attention span. Yeah. Um, when when so a little bit of the, of the backstory was. When I started writing all these things down, I came up with 160 topics, and I started. My, my goal was to write one eight and a half by eleven single space page, which is somewhere around 650 words, right? Not not terribly long, 650 to 800 words, depending. But the idea was to keep them short and sweet. And even even at that point, with 160 of them, this would have been like a 500 page book. And I can't I can't hand a 500 page book to an 18 year old and expect him to go and read it cover to cover, but I distilled it down to 61 of them in hopes that it's not a daunting project for them. If they get this book in the mail, I mean, it's, it's weighty. It's 270 pages. It's, it's got some girth, 
but it's not overbearing. It's not like, oh my God, I can't read this. You know, if I would have done the original project as I had it laid out, it would have been like War and Peace, man. Yeah. Yeah, War and Peace. I love it. Okay, so let's dive into one chapter real quick just to give people an sure. idea of what's in there. So we got? I'm going to go to chapter five, okay. PMA. Oh, yeah. Uh, That's a good one. And let me read a little bit of it first, just, okay. just to give people a feel. So this chapter in and of itself is what, about three and a half, three pages long? Yeah, it's it's pretty short. Yeah, so Thomas Jefferson said that nothing can stop the man with the right mental attitude from achieving his goal. Nothing on earth can help the man with the wrong mental attitude. There's a lot of truth to that. So PMA is positive mental altitude, positive mental attitude, and it's a powerful tool that you need to practice using that you always need to have in your mental toolkit. Harnessing the good and positive aspects of a given situation is a skill you can learn if it doesn't come naturally. But I'm not going to lie. Sometimes PMA is difficult to maintain. Eventually, you, like all the rest of us, will be tested by an adverse event in your life. God, isn't that the fucking truth? Mm -hmm. Something that could potentially send you down an unexpected path or otherwise be life-changing. Realizing that such events and circumstances are inevitable, you need to learn to choose and hold tight to a positive mental attitude. So talk to me about this chapter in PMA. Yeah, so I was I was really inspired by a good friend of mine, um, and and yeah, I mean we were airmen together way back in the day twenty twenty something years ago twenty six twenty seven years ago. Anyways, um, r- lifelong friend, and he was an avid motorcycle rider. And this guy, when he got out of the air force, he kind of developed this little tagline that he used to put on everything, and it said, "Life does not suck." Um, which okay, you know, it's a platitude. I get it. Uh, but there's a lot of truth to it when you have the right outlook on things. So this guy's an avid motorcycle rider, always very diligent about, uh, wearing his PPE, his, his protective gear and all that. And so he gets his, his, he had a, this beautiful blue Harley named it Rose and it's getting to be like October this particular year. And he gets it out and cleans her all up and he's going to, he lives down in Tucson. He's going to start driving her to work because the weather's getting nice. Right. Yeah. And He's driving into work, got all of his gear on everything, gets rear-ended by a truck, bike lays over on him, and he ends up losing his leg from the knee down, his right leg, right? I, I'm, I don't know how I would have handled that situation. Um, that's, that's, a, that's a big blow, man, to, to everything that you know is normal just got changed. Yeah, that's life-altering. Yeah, for I sure. mean, literally, I mean, they had to reorganize their house. They had to get handrails installed and ramps and... He had to get fitted. Gosh, I think he's gone through something like six or seven different legs and fittings and and all that because the stump yeah. has to shrink. Have and to learn how to walk again. How to do everything again. Um, it's Drive. amazing. I've kind of followed his journey, and it is amazingly difficult on on an individual as an amputee. I can't, I couldn't imagine it. So, several weeks go by, and or a couple weeks go by, and I, I called the guy. And he answered the phone, and he was his same old chipper self, just like we were airmen back in the day, getting ready to go drink some Alaskan ambers and have a fish fry. And I was like, dude, what? Like, we started talking about it, and he goes, hey, man, I mean, what am I going to do, cry about it? I got to be positive about this, or else I'm going to end up in the fetal position in the corner. Yeah, You know, I can't let my life stop. And so rather than letting this life-altering event define him, he had a positive attitude on it and a positive outlook to the whole thing, and he ended up, um, well, he's done a lot of really cool shit, man. Uh, he got involved in the Veterans Affairs amputees uh, world down there, and he goes around and does a lot of motivational speaking for amputees. And he was up here um, 
he was up in Phoenix not too long ago, got some award from Luke Air Force Base. It's kind of their parent unit. He's a civilian, works down at, uh, at DM right now. And um, he got some award for being like an outstanding citizen or some shit. And he ended up, uh, he got picked up by this nonprofit to go and, and be like a spokesperson or something. He went and took a trip to Colorado to one of the ski towns, either Keystone or Breckenridge or something, goes up there and they put that, he put him on a snowboard and had him going down the mountain as an amputee. And it was like, he says, he's a dude, I haven't snowboarded since we were in Alaska. It's like 25 years ago. <laughs> and he says, I don't know how this is going to end, but I'm going to try it, man. If they're going to give me an opportunity, I'm going to try it. So just, I mean, maintain a positive outlook on the whole thing. And, and he's thriving, dude. So it all came back to attitude. We've said this before. We're going to say it over and over and over again is your attitude is what's going to make you or break you 90% of the time. Yeah, well, what's so cool about that story, too, is we also talk about you got to look for opportunities in everything sometimes, right? Because mm -hmm. even when you're going through a lot of adversity in life, like it's there's there's opportunity that's going to be presented to you. Yeah. And you have choices to make, right? You can lay in the fetal position in the corner of the floor and go, woe is me because my life sucks now and this happened to me and it's unfair and blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah, which... I would say the majority of people probably do, at least for a period of time, right? There is that grief process, um, and some people get stuck in it, and it leads to other bad things like substance abuse or whatever. Yeah. Or you can go, all right, dude, this has changed. All these other things are going to change, but where's the opportunity in this? I mean, think of the number of people in lives that he's been able to reach and impact that he would have never had the opportunity to do prior to that event happening. Yeah. You know, and if he had curled up in, into a ball in the fetal position, he'd have missed that yeah. opportunity to be able to do those things and to be inspirational to people, to inspire yeah. that change, to, to let people know that, dude, there's a that's path it. forward. You can, you can still be better. You can still do better. Yeah. You know, that's awesome. I was listening to this podcast a while back and it was a Dabo Sweeney who I just, I absolutely admire him. Even, even though he coached for Clemson, um, he was in this podcast. He said, Hey man, the grass isn't greener over there. The grass is green where you water it. And that to me is just, it's having a positive attitude, man. And taking care of where you're at, let your feet be planted where they are. You know what I mean? And so before we got on air, I was telling you about, I had a conversation with Tyler the other day, my oldest son I had a conversation with him the other day. We talked for almost two hours and one of the, it kind of turned into this dad mentorship kind of thing, but I was helping him see he's going through a really rough time right now. And, He's living by himself for the first time in a really long time. And, uh, and I said, Tyler, dude, just try to flip the script in your mind and see this for the opportunity that it is. You don't have the daily distractions that you used to. I said, hey, look, there's 24 hours in a day. You sleep for eight of them. You work for eight of them. What are you doing with the other eight hours? Well, I'll go to the gym. Okay, so what are you doing with the other seven hours? Uh, okay, you're doing jack shit with it, all right? You have an opportunity here. No distractions in your house. No other no other uh, responsibilities really bearing down on you. You can go to school. You can go get another certification. He wants to get a uh, security plus certification. Like start studying, man, put that shit on a calendar. Let's yeah. develop a, put that out there as your goal. Let's develop a plan for it and you can execute this. So rather than looking at it as a, woe was me thing? Look at it for the opportunity that it is yeah. and jump on it. Well, and a lot of times too, I think in situations like that, if you've got, you know, something that you're really, that's tough, that you're going through, maybe it's a, it's very anxiety provoking, or there's a lot of grief associated. Sometimes being able to take that negative energy and then push it into something that is positive, like, hey, yeah. I'm going to go work on this. I think we often miss opportunities 
when we're going through big life-changing events like that, I think it's very easy to get wrapped up in grief. And But what we do is we miss the opportunity, like you're mentioning, of taking advantage of the time or just, for lack of a better word, the opportunity that life is giving you in that moment to work on something that you need to around yourself, right? Because that works hard. Yeah. And it's often not fun. You know, especially in the midst of maybe whatever else is, it is that's going on in your life right then. But that's, that's your chance, man. That's yeah. your chance to find a little piece of self-improvement uh, to figure out, hey, what are the things that maybe I need to change now? Or what are some, what's something that I need to focus on or work on? And, and throw some of your, your, your effort and your anxiety and all of that energy into something that's, that'll, that'll give you a positive outcome on the backside. Yeah. Instead of just wallowing in that grief. Well, you know, I mean, or despair or whatever it is. Yeah. This episode was uh, supposed to be dedicated to work hard, don't suck. But I want to reflect back on No New Lessons, my other book, just for a second. And there's a turning point in that book where if you read it, it's a fun story. It's a really fun story. And, And in the middle of the book, there's a turning point. We met some individuals who changed our reality. And that's part of what we're talking about when we talk about opportunity is be on the lookout or be hyper aware to that chance encounter with a random person. You never know how, dude, when we were sitting in your office five, six, seven years ago, drinking Jack and Coke, speaking about the OG, we had no idea we were going to be sitting here. Yeah. We had no idea. So you take these little snippets and these little vignettes and these little meetings that you have in your life and you, you just never know how that one person, some of the best advice I got was at my going away party from being an enlisted guy to going to an officer. I'm leaving Elmendorf in Anchorage and I'm going to OTS and my officer training school, officer training school. Thank you. My, my maintenance officer was married to one of the fighter pilots in our squadron. And so we're having a few beers and he comes up and he puts me in a headlock and he says, dude, being an officer is easy. You just be the best at everything. You get whatever you want. That random chance encounter with that dude changed my vector man because now I had a new I had a new outlook on things it's like well okay I mean I may not always be the best but I can try to be yeah and that comes down to effort and attitude and all the other shit that we talk about so all this stuff talks it's all circular and everything my point was be on the lookout for the opportunities be on the lookout for those random encounters with people who may just change your vector yeah that's all good stuff man and it's all in the book too uh so Here's just kind of a personal question. Just what was the biggest challenge you faced while you were writing this? And how did you overcome it? What were the challenges in in putting this together? I mean, I know, I'm sure it was a fun process in a Mm -hmm. lot of ways, especially with the intention that was behind it uh, for your sons. But there had to be some some really challenging things mm-hmm. along the way. I mean, it's yeah. it's a long process. It's it's a tough process. It is. It gets tedious yeah. after a little while. You know, the the writing piece of it's fun. Um, I like telling stories and I like writing things down. So writing the stories out and tying them to a lesson, that was the fun part. But then you get into the really tedious shit, like the editing and the cover design and putting all the little pieces together and figuring out which, you know, I had to read the book cover to cover like three times just to figure out what I wanted as the text pop-outs in there and highlight them and, and then go back and reread it to make sure that that was it. So every section I read in here like two or three times just to make sure that I was getting all that part right. But honestly, one of the most challenging parts was, I alluded to it earlier, when I initially started writing all these things down, I ended up with 160 topics. 
you can't have 160 of these things. It'd be a four or 500 page book. So narrowing that down, Stephen King used to talk about this. When you, when you write the rough draft of something and you go back and you edit it and you chop it down, it's like killing your babies. Yeah. That's, that's the way he, he described it was it's like killing your babies. And so narrowing this down to 61 things, I really wanted to get it down to 50, but I just couldn't do it. That was probably the hardest part was, was necking all of it down and figuring out the most impactful things that I could put in volume one there will be a volume two, but for volume one, which ones do you pick? What makes the cut? It's like a head coach picking his football team. You know, here we are at the end of the preseason, and it's like cut week. How do you pick your 53 dudes to go on the field for the yeah. next 18 weeks? Well, you know? and I think what's important about what you said there, too, is, you know, even something that is fun or even like a passion or a labor of love like this book was for you. It's tedious, right? Like it is. There's, it is. There's some nug work that has to go on with anything that we it's have to do. Fucking in life. work, man. It is work, it, you right? see the theme? There's a fucking theme here. Yeah, there's. You got to do the damn work. Yeah, <laughs> you got to work hard and don't suck <laughs> at it, right? right? Yeah. So, but I think that's a good takeaway, right? Because for guys that are listening to this podcast, you know, you may be in a spot at work or whatever where you're in that tedious phase and it's mm-hmm. just, it's nug work and it's just like, Oh God, I got to do, yeah. you know, do you have the TPS reports? Did you see that we have new cover letters? You know, like it's <laughs> right, but that's it, but make it better, you know, yeah. figure out a way to do, do better, be better. Keep grinding. That's how you get ahead and up and out yeah. of those things. Well, so have a positive attitude about yeah, it. Positive you know? mental attitude is a big part of there, it. There's a chapter in the book called attitude, attention and effort. And those were, when I was coaching football, I had my team recite that. Like, they, we would say that five or six times every practice and during the games and stuff. And I'd just hold up three fingers, and I'd say, what's, what's Coach White's big three? And they'd all sound out with attitude, attention, and effort. And then we'd break it down, and we'd teach it to them. But what does that really mean, dude? When you show up every day, I need you to have a good attitude. I need you to be positive. Be happy to be here. And one of the hardest things to, to communicate to to young players was – you're going to practice more football than you're ever going to play. So you have to love going to practice. If you don't like going to practice, then you're never going to love the game. That was really hard was getting them to understand that. But come to practice every day with a good attitude, man. Act like you want to be here. Pay attention to what we're telling you. If you got a good attitude and you pay attention, then I can teach you just about anything, man. Yeah. It may take a few iterations, but but listen to what we're teaching you, man, yeah. and, and just execute what we're asking you to. And when I ask you to execute it, I want you to go full speed. I know that you're going to screw it up, especially the first few times. I'm going to give you a demo. I'm going to teach it to you on a board or, or verbally. I'm going to show it to you in some way, and then I want you to go full speed and try to execute it. And I know that you're going to screw it up. But let's go back to attitude for a second. If you got a good attitude, when you screw it up, just listen to what I'm telling you. Keep a smile on your face. Let's do it again. And eventually, you put enough of these together. Eventually, you practice it so many times that you just can't get it wrong. Yeah, and, and that's, that's when that we start to win. That's detail piece too, yeah. right? I mean, we don't I, – I was I – was, Alicia and I were watching some preseason football yesterday, and we were talking, you know, and it's the last week of the preseason, so it's all the second, third stringers. They're yeah. trying to figure out who's going to make the rosters and who's cut not, week, you man. know, and it's cut – because it is. It's <laughs> cut week. They're taking it down from 90. Yep. And I'm go, and I was just – we were talking, and I'm like, man, you, you don't realize – I've also been watching Hard Knocks for the Jets, you know, and oh, I haven't Aaron watched Rodgers and stuff. Yeah. It's pretty good. You know, and I just, we were talking the other day, and I'm like, man, it's, people don't realize, they look at a guy like an Aaron Rodgers, and they're like, oh, you know, he's just naturally talented, he's got a strong arm, blah, 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 blah. I wonder if you, if you could take from high school to, you know, where he is now in his NFL career, mm-hmm. 
and tally up the number of hours that he spent just on film, not even practice, just on film. I wonder how many years that would equate to. Well, we talked about this in the last show that we recorded. I don't know if it's going to air before or after this one, but we were talking about if you want to be good at something, give it a few hours. If you want to be elite at something, give it 10,000 hours. Yeah. Think about, I mean, those guys start playing football when they're six, seven years old, most of them. Yeah. They're two sport, three sport athletes. Like, yes, they're gifted, they're talented, but when you when you get to that level, that's that's effort, man. Tom Brady. Tom Brady's not the most gifted athlete out there by a long stretch. He's not the most talented quarterback to ever play the game, but he worked so freaking hard at it. He spent so many hours in the building doing the grunt work and doing the grind that nobody else wanted to do, and that's what set him apart, man. Yeah, it is. That's what sets you apart, that attitude and effort, for sure. Okay, how about any surprises for you when you were writing the book? Anything that came to you as a big surprise, other than anything that just really popped out to you when you were going through this? Well, two things kind of stood out to me. One was the 160 on a list. I didn't realize there was going to be that many. I thought maybe I'd come up with like 50 or something. You know, try to, here's a challenge for the listeners. Sit down. And try to make a list of 50 things you love about your wife. It's harder than you think. Yeah. Sometimes. You know, because you end up in, you end up in redundancy land. Like, I love her feet. Um, I, I love her toenails? Uh, question mark. But anyway, seriously, that's a, that's a fun little challenge. Katie has a list from when we were dating that I wrote down 50 things that I loved about Katie. She still has it. Anyways, the, the surprise to me was that I come up with 160 of these darn things. And yes, some of it is, there are some redundancies built in, but they're all... Still kind of they're kind of unique and and the stories are different. I don't tell the same story twice in the in the book. I don't tell the same story twice in the whole list of 160. So that was that was surprising to me that I came up and I'm still coming up with stuff. You know, as you you read more, you have more experiences doing this podcast. I've come up with so many more things that I can work into the next volume that that's going to be a hard cut line too because there's going to be 120 or so that are going to be sitting there and I'm going to have to neck it down to, to 50 or 60. So that was a little bit of a shocker. And the other thing was I had initially set out April 1st as the target to have this done and just putting all the pieces together for this one took a lot longer than no new lessons because no new lessons was never even supposed to be a book. That was just a fun project that I was working on. It was, I was going to print it out for the bros that were on the hike with me and send it to them in the mail for Christmas this one, though, I wanted to put my heart and soul into it, so I was very meticulous and very tedious with it, and just taking that amount of time kind of took me by surprise, so I kept having to walk back the release date until here we are sitting here, you know, around the 1st of September or so. Yeah, yeah well, that's a, that's a good point, too, though, right? Just stick with it, man. Sometimes you're not going to hit maybe the, the initial goal you set, but you just keep at it, right? Keep going, keep moving Move the ball forward. Yep. You'll get there. Well, and, and, you know, that's a great point on goal setting is, you know, I had a goal out there of, of April 1st, and it's a fun target. It was, I, I think in some ways it was attainable, but I stepped back and took about two months away from a lot of things to focus on my kids' graduation, uh, yeah, different personal things that I just, I needed a break. I needed to take, step back, and I took about two months where I just focused on some other shit. Um, but when you're talking about setting goals out there, yeah, man, it's very, it, it is imperative that you have a timeline associated with your goals, whichever construct you use for your goal setting, you have to put a timeline on it. You have to have milestones along the way. 
but don't be afraid to change those. Yeah. If, if the plan takes a little bit longer, you're still moving forward. You're still getting towards the goal. And if you have to kick it out another month or 60 days or 90 days, that's fine. You're going to get there eventually. Don't be afraid to move the goalpost just a little bit. Yeah. So before we started recording today, you were sharing with me what your most memorable moment was out of writing the book. And I, uh, oh. I thought it would be really good for you to share that yeah. with the listeners too, because I think that there's some, some good takeaways for that yeah. as well. So why don't you go ahead and share that with us real quick? Yeah, it was one of those tear to the eye kind of moments. Um, there's, there's two things or two points, I think, along the way. If, you, if anybody decides to put together a big project like this, there's two points that I need you to really be hyper aware of, and that's when you get the initial, when, when you get the book covers finished. That is, that's a big moment because, like, it took me a long time, Cass, really, I've never considered this part of me, but when I was putting together No New Lessons, a really good friend of mine who helped me publish it, he convinced me that, dude, you're an artist. You're, you're creating art. You're creating something from scratch. And I've never considered myself an artist at all. I've always just thought of myself as a doer, knock down blocks, big rocks to little rocks kind of guy. You're very creative. Well, that aside, you, when, when you're working on something like this, there's so many different little detailed things that you have to design, that you have to come up with. And, and coming up with the cover for this, man, that was, that was a months-long project of brainstorming and coming up with the color palettes and the fonts and how do you want it to stand out and what do you want it to look like? What size of the book? I told you the other day, the book got pushed back almost a month because I screwed up the freaking size. One little typo in a Word document, he formatted it to an eight by five and I wanted it eight and a half by five and a half. I screwed up and I had to, I had to eat that to the tune of about 250 bucks. But anyways, so getting the covers, that was a big, like hallelujah moment, right? But the really big one is when I got the package in the mail that contained the proofs. Now it's no longer just words on a PDF document. It's no longer just a JPEG on the computer. So I got the package in the mail. We already had family night scheduled for that night. So I got the package in the mail that day and I threw it in the back of the truck and I took it to dinner with me and Katie and the kids. And I said, all right, boys, here it is. And I stood up and Katie videotaped me opening it up. And hold, when you hold your book in your hand for the first time, that is a moment. And the reason I was telling you that story was, for the listeners, the takeaway here is to learn to identify these moments that are, you can't recreate them. There's no way that I could recreate that moment. And the, the authentic reaction to see in my book with my name on it for the first time, right? And there's a lot of these little events that happen throughout your life, your daily life. You're, you know, you might have had one this morning. And if you can learn to be hyper aware to these things as they're happening, then maybe you take that picture. Maybe you, maybe you just sit there for a minute. I remember the last football game that I was the head coach was the championship football game. And we're going to win the game. We're up 32-12, I think, with like a minute and a half left. And I called my last time out, and I got my whole team over to the sideline. And I said, guys, I don't need to talk to you. I want you to take 30 seconds and look at your family in the stands, look at the scoreboard, really burn this into your brain, because this is a moment you will never get back. And that's the message to the listeners, is become hyper-aware to those moments that you just can't recreate. 
Yeah, well, I think the other takeaway for that too is, you know, you were saying this has been like a year and a half, two year process, right? So think of all of the amount of time, effort, energy that you put into this project. And, you know, I'm sure there were points along the way where, you know, you're like, oh, that's really cool because you're getting closer and you're getting closer. But it's it's like pilot training, right, man? You go through a year of pilot training and there's all that every being evaluated every day, every grade sheet, every check ride. You know, you're nugging it out 12 hours a day for a year and then you get to graduation night, right? And now you've actually got something tangible, and they put wings on your chest, you know? Yeah. And it's like, it's a representation of all of all that, that hard effort work. and hard work that yeah. you... And so my point in that is for the guys that are listening out there is, dude, you may be in the middle of it right now. And whatever goal you've set for yourself, it may seem like it's way over the horizon line. Yeah. Keep going, right? Just keep pushing because at some point, you're going to have that tangible piece. You're going to be holding that book. You're yep. going to be holding that book in your hand or whatever it is, right? You're going to be, it'll be there. Yeah. You just got to keep, you just got to keep make one step at a time moving towards it, right? Well, and, and, and I would just pile onto that, that when you have these audacious goals, when you have these big projects and, and these long-term things that you're working on, like, like going through flight school is a two-year process, you know, and then getting through the B course is a nine-month process. And then, you know, writing this book was a year-and-a-half-plus uh, process. These things are long, and you can't focus on the finish line. There's no way. Like when you start a football season, you can't focus on winning the championship. You focus on what am I practicing today. And so that was – it was every day I would sit down in front of my computer and go, which chapter am I writing today? Or which – little menial task am I going to work on today? And it was just knocking down, you know, thousands of little dominoes one at a time until a year and a half later, you got a book. That's awesome, man. So for anybody out there that's listening to Roscoe that may be interested in uh, getting a copy of your book, how can they do that? You can go to my website, paulroscoewhite.com. And there's a tab at the bottom that'll take you straight to the Amazon page. There's also a learn more button if you want to kind of read a synopsis of the back cover on there. Uh, or you can go to Amazon and just search for work hard, don't suck. I actually, I think it popped up on Google for the first time a couple of days. You know, SEO takes a few days or a few weeks for it to, to come up. But if you Google work hard, don't suck, Paul Roscoe White, it'll pop up and it'll take you right to Amazon. You can get it. Okay. Anything else you want to leave with the listeners for today about work hard, don't suck? I don't think so, man. All right, you guys. It's a great book. Go out and get it. You won't regret it. It's got a lot of redundancy to the things that we talk about on the podcast. Some good takeaways. It's an easy read, uh, and it'll help. Parting shots? Be the one. Be the one. Thanks for flying with the Be One Change One podcast. If you got something out of this show, then be the one and share it in your circles of influence. You can be our wingman through our website at www.b1changeone.com. That's B and the number one, change and the number one.com. We invite you to be the one and join our fighter squadron on social media at B1ChangeOne on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. You can follow us at Paul Roscoe White on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn, as well as Roscoe's website, www.paulroscoewhite.com. You can email us from the website and please leave comments, share, and ask questions, or leave ideas of things you would like to discuss on future podcasts. Most importantly, be the one that helps us win the algorithm by leaving a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Thanks for joining. Until next time, be the one.